0: Previously on the Tony Kornheiser
1: Show. You know that that exists, but you don't see it in your day-to-day life. It's the same thing with the show. Well, now I get to come here, but you know, I talk to you, or you know, you do the show, and you know, sort of go about our regular lives. But there are so many people that it reaches. It was just really cool. Uh, there's no punchline. There's no cynicism. It was just a really neat experience for me. No, many times people have come to me before in this area and said, "Let's eat a Yeah, yeah. Eat it. A lot of people say that. Some of that's not related to the show. People <laughs> just tell me to eat it. Um. The
0: Tony
2: Kornheiser Show is on
0: now. The people that claim to hate Salyza, that's fake hate. Salyza is so charming. You cannot hate Salyza. You just can't do it. But keep it up, people, because it, it's great for the emails. Um, Michael and I are here. Nigel is where Nigel is. Sean is where Sean is. And I have been Um, I don't want to say seriously thinking, because that's, that would, I have been thinking about it more and more and more about trying to get back into a studio, you know, that it's time to try and get back into a studio and have the people around us and see, not to recreate that show, but just to do that show and see if that works. Do you feel the same way?
1: Just so we don't have to deal with the Wi-Fi issues anymore. But I I think we're all ready to get back to that rhythm of getting into your car, whatever your commute looks like, and seeing the faces that give you the energy to do this every day, or for you three times a week now.
0: Yeah, well, you Well, I don't need to see. That's the other thing, too. I might do it four times one week or something like that. I don't ever think I would do it five. But there's a number in my head that I want to get to over a 12-month period because I think that that's the right number. And in the pandemic, we are About 20 under, uh, you know, we're, we're not, we'll get close, but we won't really get there. But the difference this year, of course, is that I haven't taken the summer off. Can we make a July deadline trade and see what we can do? We could do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ship somebody out and bring two people in. So yesterday, if you watched sports at all, it was dominated um, by... I think you'd have to say niche sports. I think tennis is a niche sport. I think soccer in the United States is a niche sport. Yeah, and so we watch that. And I'm not saying that, look, I'm not a soccer guy, okay? I have prejudices against soccer. I don't feel that they, it's not a question of they don't score enough. I don't feel they try to score enough. I just think they take too many passes and they don't try to put pressure on a goalie now there are strategic reasons for that that i'm not going to get into because i'm not smart enough to understand it and i don't want to be lectured about how i'm too stupid to understand the rhythm of soccer so i will just say this it's enormously exciting when they end a game in a shootout it's dramatic it's exciting it's time stops for each particular person who is attempting a goal and there are various, um, you know, various thematic things that happen that you can write about and talk about and all of that. I'm just saying it's not, satis- it's not a satisfying ending. You have a tournament on an entire continent, in, in, a, in a, one of the continents where this particular sport is the most important, and you end it on something sort of fluky. I, just to me, you know, I understand Italy wins and England loses, but and they accept that, but I, not for me. It's not an ending. I think that you should continue to take people off the field and make it easier to attempt to score, and you should have a score that ends it and not penalty kicks. I will ask Wilpon about this later. Michael, you, you are not as strident about this as I am.
1: No, and part of that's just because I look at the amount of times you look at a goal that's not fulfilling unto itself. But for you, a lot of this just comes down to you're not you're not accustomed to the style of play where you see the Phantom Falls and the the wincing and the holding onto your legs, which Ugh. which just Acting. seems to happen. Like you've seen so Acting. many of these. Uh, you know, these extra time games where you're seeing that more and more and nothing really seems to come from it. But back to your point about what happens when the drama begins, when you go to the kicks and there's so much ceremony about, yeah. you know, the meetings. And I, and I don't know the name of the the Italian captain, but you saw this in the previous you uh, love that shootout. Guy. He just seems to be the master of ceremonies. He's yeah. given out high fives, he's hugging. And there's almost this understanding of we've made it to this point and we all collectively understand that no one knows what happens from this point on, and maybe there is like a, b- a beauty in using that to decide this, but you look at how in yesterday's kicks, it goes back and forth, and then you look at, you know, deflected balls that could ricochet and go back in, the one that doesn't, you know, you're trying to use the stutter step that then doesn't work, and at certain point we wanna say, just kick the ball. My, my favorite part of yesterday is I'm I'm prepping some uh, some pieces for early dinner, and Walker is, uh, is waiting patiently to watch his new favorite show, Paw Patrol, which is a whole can of worms we can't get into, and I, I I just sort of hear you move up next to him on the couch and you go, soccer, what's the deal with soccer? I, I don't really get it. And he just looks at me and goes, yeah, well, you kicked the ball.
0: Yeah, it just, you know, I don't want to get too sociological here because I'm sure what I'm going to say is outdated and will get me in a certain amount of trouble. But I just think that there is an ethic to particularly American sports uh, like baseball or I assume that because hockey – comes from Canada, North American sports. And I just think that offense, and even though in in hockey, it's often a one nothing game, but they're trying to score goalies. Goalies are making 20, 30 saves in a particular game. The, the baseball, the football, the basketball, all of which I think were invented in the United States. It's about scoring. That's, you know, everything is about scoring and Soccer isn't about scoring in the same way and plus you don't use your hands and in all the other sports that i'm naming your hands are a vital part of it so it just it seems and has always seemed odd and not of my world. You know what I mean? Just yeah, not just of th- my I'm, world.
1: I'm thinking about that Savannah minor league baseball team that came up with all the wonky rules where, like, if a fan catches a fly or, you know, foul ball, it's an out. And then I think there's something about if you go to extras, it's like batter v pitcher try and strike you out. And if the batter puts the ball in play, the pitcher has to run around trying to get it and get the ball in. You can, you can score from anywhere to do that. That's what I'm, I'm sort of seeing you trying to come up with these new rules.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hopelessly stuck in the notion of more scoring is good and gives you something to celebrate. Not that I don't like defense. And I'm not even saying that it doesn't even seem to be about defense in soccer, but anyway, so that's the end of that then. And that's not as important as the world cup, but for European nations, and that concludes your Euro cup 2020 coverage. Well, what, what I do think, and you pointed this out yesterday, I do. What I do think is interesting is that all of these guys play with all of these other guys in the leagues that they play with all the time and this is the one great separation this and world cup of course where you only play with people from your country and this is a little bit different because all these guys know each other and many of them like each other and depend upon one another in the premier league or the syria or you know whatever they're in right i mean yeah and I'm, that's unusual. I'm sure we're
1: making Sean's ears bleed because he actually watches this and knows what he's talking about. Am I?
0: Did I say anything? Tol- well, I shouldn't say did I say anything? How many, Sean, totally stupid things have I said? I mean, about it, soccer? The,
1: the the defense is organized and yeah. they are somewhat trying to score. Uh, uh, this was a fun tournament just because everybody kind of overlooked Italy. There were a lot of little dark oh, horse right? teams. Yeah, I mean, okay. the, their, their older generation, you know, their, their veterans were seen as too old, and their younger players were seen as maybe not ready just yet. And the way they came together, they, it, it was a great tournament for them.
0: Yeah, so I, I, I'm, th- that is all lost on me. Wimbledon, um, Djokovic won. Uh, Djokovic has now tied Nadal and Federer for the most majors of all time among men, and Djokovic will certainly certainly surpass them by a lot because he appears to still be in his prime and there don't appear to be that many challengers. Nadal and Federer are not necessarily challengers. And Federer certainly seems not to be a challenger anymore. And we will talk to Wilbon about this as well, whether or not Djokovic is destined uh, to go down as the greatest player of all time and whether people like me have to just eat it. Because that's what
1: the majority of people will think. As we think about this sort of legacy and how how this continues to take shape, as you looked at Federer's early exit and you're trying to figure out, I mean, Nadal's now playing in the City Open, which is something we've never seen from. So Nigel will get to see him. Well, maybe he'll take an interview from Nigel when (laughs) they do those lineup uh, interviews. uh, Just hopefully you get his name correct. Uh, (laughs) Right. But I. But I recommend Liz Clark did this beautiful essay on our show where she talked about the, the grace and style and the sort of the, the point of view of, of all three players and how you sort of have to take them all together. And I think that's what you're going to have to come to grips with going forward.
0: Yeah. Uh, one other thing, and I say this, this is, uh, uh, I'm going to say this today, and I will say this when we do the show again on Wednesday. The Junior Girls Tournament is at Columbia Country Club. It is free. You can walk in there. Um, it starts officially today. There were practice rounds over the weekend. On Saturday, uh, my friend Robbie Cowan was, he is a director for USGA of, you know, he, he films things, that kind of director. And he was filming a lot of background stuff to be used on the Golf Channel telecast on Friday and Saturday. I think the Golf Channel is doing a couple of hours. On it. So I got to see him. I walked over there. I parked across the street because you can't park in Columbia. Did you pick up some loose golf balls? I did not. I parked across the street and then I looked at the driving range and I watched these young women hit. And they have such beautiful, languid swings. Um, and they were dominant. Uh, some of the guys I talked to, like I talked to Steve West and Billy Peel, and they had seen them out on the course. And they were, these are, when I say young women, these are girls. There's a couple of 12 year olds in this tournament. Is a few 13 year olds and 14 year olds and they're hitting it 250 260 280 like on nobody would know this if they don't play the course but on number 18 um, one of them hit it to like 40 yards I mean it's just a prodigious shot a really big time shot it was like a 300 yards um, because they're playing from the lower the lower oh, they're team. down the gold. They're, the, where I play from the gold. Um, So and it was great to watch them on the range and watch them play. And I went up to the first tee when a few of them—that was a practice round—when uh, a few of them teed off and they bombed it. One of them went over
1: the trees, you know. And that's an aggressive line. Yeah, it went over the trees on Did one. Did it make you think of Mr. Abbo when you're up at the range? And used to walk up and down, ring the bell, ring yeah, the bell. Yeah. So I thought of
0: all of those things. And I've said this before: how beautiful it looks with the USGA flags and the USGA tee markers and all of that. I mean, the place really looks good you can barely see how much the purple line has gouged out the sanctity of the golf course but you can go and you can go and watch and i guarantee you that in five to ten years ten or so of these young girls will be on the tour you'll see major winners yeah that 10 of them will, will do that and you can go and it's free and you can walk this beautiful golf course i know it's hot um, it, it's, I understand it's very hot, but, um, yeah,
1: stop by snack bar number eight. Yeah. Say hello to George and Z. <laughs> give them our Get best. Get a
0: Gatorade, put it on Mr. Sheehan's number. Yeah. ask yeah. Say Sheehan, Kevin Sheehan. Just do it. That <laughs> I believe one. That's Kip Sheehan. We will take a break. Um, <laughs> when we come back, uh, Wilbon will join us. Wilbon is in Wilbon, as we talked about last week, gets to sleep in his own beds. He's the only person in the world covers a final, sleeps in his own beds in Arizona and chicago michael wilbon when we return i'm tony kornheiser you're listening listening to the tony kornheiser show so this is the freshly ad i'm gonna vamp for a while it says please feel free to mention your favorite freshly meals during the ad um here are the prompts dinner time can be chaotic but with freshly it's easy there chefs take care of your meals a few nights a week take the pressure off you we're all trying to get in shape and eat right Freshly can help. Their delicious meals are designed by nutritionists and cooked by chefs, making it easier to eat better. Okay, Stressed, tired, don't feel like cooking. Food that's fast doesn't have to be fast food. Freshly offers quality meals without the hard work of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. So I wanted to address this in a different way. Uh, Something that has happened to me as a result of the pandemic. And if it's happened to me, it's happened to thousands and millions of other people in the United States. You get used to not shopping for food. You get used to food being delivered to your house. This started out as a safety procedure, and like other things, it seeps its way into your consciousness. It seeps its way into your routine. And when the pandemic is over, and hopefully we see the light at the end of the tunnel with it, the assumption is, like going back to a studio, the assumption is a resumption of your life before the pandemic. I think there are a lot of things where that won't be true. And I think the delivery of food is one of those things. I mean, we've had food delivered. We're going to pick it up, but it's, it's made for us by Roberto Dona, and it's been great. We've done that for a year and a half. We haven't done it in recent weeks because we've spent a lot of time in Delaware, so you, you know you can't take the food with you. But what I'm getting to with Freshly is this is an idea that if you like this, you're going to stay with it. You may not do it every single week, but you're going to stay with it because it's, it's, it's something that actually is easier for your life. You know, it's easier than, than the hectic nature of going out to the supermarket all the time. And I'd say you're, your own you're trying flavors that you wouldn't necessarily be yes, making yourself. That's You eat anyway. things you wouldn't do. <clears throat> it's true. I think it's a really good idea. So I vamped and vamped and vamped and I'll get back to the copy. Freshly offers chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door. No cooking required. Grocery shopping and cooking can be a pain, especially right now. And with Freshly, you don't have to. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week, so you can keep your fridge stocked and skip the trip to the store. It can fit your lifestyle with a variety of plans and meals to pick from that work for your dietary needs, preferences, tastes, and family size. And now our listeners can try Freshly for just $6.16 per meal. Stop searching the internet for healthy food near me every night and start living life freshly. Your meals are always delivered fresh. They're never frozen. They're ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash Tony K. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash Tony K for $40 off your first two orders. I've eaten this food. The food is good. I've eaten this myself. It boots you approved. Peppercorn steak. I, I oh, really yeah, the sa- that. sausage penne for the boys. And I had the chicken, and I really like the chicken. That's freshly.com slash Tony K for $40 off your first two orders. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Haze. This is sent to us by Bill Stringer in Washington, D.C. And he says, Attached are two songs from Alex Rapp. Alex currently lives in Berlin, but was born and raised in Chevrolet, Maryland, and graduated from St. John's, and he writes parenthetically, Edith Murray." I <laughs> met her when she was two months old because my daughter was one month old and we lived across the street. Alex was good as, at sports as a youngster, but I remember having to explain to her how important it was to pursue a pass ball or a wild pitch with urgency when she was my catcher at age 14. <laughs> Obviously, she had better talents and music running through her head. These songs were off her first LP. She'll be releasing a second one on July 21st. That's next week or a week and a half or something like that. Alex Rapp, this is called Hayes, um, and it plays in Michael Wilbon. And Wilbon was at the game last night, a game which was dominated by Milwaukee. And my first question is, the result of the game, how it was achieved and all of that, does it change your mind about the series?
3: No, it was That game and how it was achieved, and the energy Milwaukee played with—that's that's that's what anybody to me who's paying attention would have to expect. I mean, that's part of if there's a script for this series, that is how it goes. Um, Game three in Milwaukee, but they've been at this for a few years. They've been at this with Giannis, who's a two-time MVP. They've been at this with Milton. They've been at this with Bud. They've been at this in Deer Park or whatever that is. This is what, you know, this is when you turn on the TV and watch Milwaukee Bucks the last three years, this is what you see. You see the Bucks play big. It, it, she, well, you should see this. This is what you should see. Now, whether you see it again, that's what the question is about this series. Whether Milwaukee plays true to what it should do and what its strengths are or whether Milwaukee goes off script, off road, and does what it does to get people like Kendrick Perkins saying this is the dumbest team in the history of the NBA Finals, because it's pretty much the way everyone in basketball feels is that Milwaukee has this in them, and then they may come out in Game Four and just start hoisting up three. So I, I don't think they're going to do that actually on on on, on uh, Wednesday. I think that. They will play true to form. But this is what, you know, I mean, this is what most of us said for those of us actually on, on television, on whatever media who were paid to talk about what's going to happen tonight, meaning last night, this is what we foresaw.
0: So in every series that starts out 2-0 by the home team, every single series, game three becomes a critical game for the team that returns to its home court, and then... Game four becomes, in effect, the most critical game of the series because the series, the shape of the series, changes in a two-one series with Game four. You would agree on that, right? That's of course that's the game, right? That's the big game. So that's the
3: big game, and that's the game the Suns have won. They're three and zero in the Game yes. fours.
0: They beat yeah. the Lakers
3: <clears throat> in L.A. in Game four. They beat Denver in Denver in Game four. They beat the Clippers in L.A. in Game four. So th- this is how they got where they are. I mean, you get where you are about winning four, but game fours are the games that they have been able to make the adjustment after losing, you know, uh, game threes. They didn't lose game three in Denver, obviously, but they lost to two, to two game threes in L.A. The Suns lost those games. And then game four, they've been able to come back and adjust and play better, rebound, you know, do whatever they needed to do to win game four, and, and that's where the control of each series has come in for the Phoenix Suns.
0: But we have also seen, if I'm not mistaken, we've seen Milwaukee at least once win three and four at home, right? I think, yeah, I think we have.
3: Brooklyn, yeah. they had to win yeah. game three and four at home, yes.
0: And, and they've done yes, that. They now, what we saw yeah. from Antetokounmpo was two things were important. Uh, I saw this on Sports Center earlier this morning. The average length of shot that he made was two feet and in from the basket. Which is exactly, Mike, what you wanted him to do. And then we saw him do something that we haven't seen. He made thirteen of seventeen free throws. Yeah, Yes, yeah. At
3: home, there's a comfort level. There's not people counting. Although he says he, it helps frame him and give him some rhythm. I actually believe that because um, he, he takes less time. Because he's because he, he's not taking ten seconds. It's not ten seconds. Right. People are counting quickly. One, two, three. It takes like you know seven or eight seconds. It's like for people who have to stand over a putt. You know, for 20 seconds as opposed to thirty yeah. seconds and hitting it. So, yeah, I mean, they, they played, Milwaukee played the way we know they can play. This is the way Milwaukee played when they took a 2-0 series lead over Toronto in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. A series, to, a series Toronto actually won. That's right. Able to go, to, go on with a championship. Um, this is the way we, we, we knew they could play. And they did. And nobody, nobody surprised. That Toronto can play this. I mean, sorry. That Milwaukee. Milwaukee can play this way. People, people are surprised when Milwaukee goes dum dum, and you know they do something else. As Coach Bud would say, you know, as he said, on oh, this incredible instruction in the locker room, which is what Kendrick Perkins used to frame his just tough, tough, tough criticism of Milwaukee, where Coach Bud says play random. This is an actual instruction he gave his team. Play random. You can, of course, hear Pat Riley or Phil Jackson or Red Auerbach or Greg Popovich saying to his team, no. play random tonight. No, you didn't. Um, no you're not going to hear that.
0: The biggest, change, the biggest change from games one and two was not Antetokounmpo, who had 40 in game two. It's not him at all. It was Middleton and Holiday, who combined right. for 39 points and were much more efficient shooting the ball. So I think as I sit here, I think that Phoenix is going to win game four. And I think Phoenix is going to win the series, but I'm not watching it the way you're watching it. And what do you think?
3: I kind of think that, but if you tell me that the Bucks are going to play the way they should play,
0: which they have in the two games in a row, night,
3: they yeah, never they, do. Right. But they, they have, they, you know, this is Tony. this is interesting because they've been at this three years. And I don't know of a team that God Isaiah Thomas said something the other night that rang so true to me. Um, I, I've been able to watch the series differently because I've been able to watch it with two guys in media. Now, of course, Avery Johnson is working for CBS and Isaiah Thomas, who of course, was return turn NBA TV specifically. I've been able to watch it with guys who cha- have championships, plural. And Isaiah said something the other night, when I just, I started laughing because it was, it just seemed true. Remember, Tony, there's another team, um, that you, it's a, it's a, it's an old team. You, but you and I were there for their games, the Portland trailblazers. Yes. Remember how Portland had the talent to do anything and they would just do stuff and you'd go, what? And, and Rick Adam and their coach, he, he, he was in some ways a fine coach He took a lot of criticism for his team. Just doing random things. When Isaiah said that, I just said, Oh my God, that that's right. I mean, Portland got to the finals twice, lost to Detroit once and the Bulls once. And then there was another time they lost in the conference finals when they should have beaten an older Magic Johnson, relatively speaking, and Magic just could just confuse them to no end. Um, and maybe that's kind of Portland. That's kind of Milwaukee. You know, what are we going to get from Milwaukee? Everybody has a criticism. Everybody has a saying for guys who played the game. They seem to just. They they just shake their heads. And and John Barry, my dear friend John Barry, says that Milwaukee's like a box of chocolates. You know, the old Forrest Gump line. You just just don't know when you open the box what the hell you're going to get. And this is is now the the, the feeling going into game four. Is Milwaukee going to play like they did in game three or do what they've done all playoffs?
0: Okay. All right, so that, that lies ahead of us, and that's not going to be Game 4 until Wednesday. Let us move on to other things that happened over the weekend, including soccer, which you like more than I, and you have been to Premier League games, and you, I don't know that you follow it intensely, but you certainly follow it more than I do. Just in terms of an ending, penalty kicks— yeah. As dramatic as they are, yeah. I don't find it a satisfying ending. That's me personally. I don't. Yeah, Do you?
3: I don't care. No, I don't care if it's satisfying. It's dramatic. That's what sports should be at best. Whether it's, you know, what used to be a 15th round, now it's a whatever, 12th round of a, bo- of a fight or game seven. It's, it's, it's dramatic, and I don't want to see it all day. I mean, if you, you part of your objection is they don't score. Uh, yeah. it's My alarm, Tony, I'm going to turn it off. I can Otherwise you're going to hear my alarm. Do you hear that? No, don't hear it. You don't. Okay. I'll leave it alone. I'll just, yeah. I'll just talk to no, it. it. Yeah. Um, so they, whether it's, it's, a, it, you know, whether it's, um, any one of those conditions that produces drama in sport, it's, it's just funny that, you know, the, the people I work with closely on television, you and Steven, a, Oh wait, New Yorkers. Um, you guys have just... Have but you game.
0: don't want it in hockey? World. You want it to go to, to a, to a no. goal in hockey? Um,
3: you know, not, you not when I'm sitting at Cap... No, I don't. Not when I'm sitting at Capital Center until 4 in the morning on Easter Sunday. No, I in don't.
0: The, in, the, in the finals of the Stanley Cup, you don't?
3: I, 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 no, I don't, don't want it going that far. I love it. I don't. I don't want, I don't want to see anything until 4 in the morning. And I, I sat through the same game that I'm referring to, of course, Capital's Islanders, that you sat through. And no, That's right. I don't want yeah. to go to four in the morning. I want a conclusion. I I agree with you that it is maybe it is flawed, but I don't want to go to four in the morning. I don't want to go five overtimes. So I watched yesterday. Now I watched yes, I watched most of the second half. I watched mm. all of the extra time and you know not just you know extra time you know go, to go beyond ninety minutes, which in this case is one hundred and twenty. So I watched those thirty minutes, the two fifteen-minute, whatever they call extra sessions, and then I I was waiting for the PK. And God, it was exciting. And again, you know, England becomes something of the Bucks. You know, and it was so funny because the people in that 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 you know, it's essentially a beer garden. Speaking of, we continue the analogy with you know, old England. Uh, where they put those thirty thousand people outside around the arena in Milwaukee, it is so endearing to me. It is such—I know they do it other places. It is so Midwestern. It is so Milwaukee, and Milwaukee is different from Chicago, even though they down did the it in Chicago.
0: Washington with the Capitals during they, they the Stanley it, Cup run. They did it,
3: they did it once. They did, yeah. they did it in Milwaukee. Well, they only were in the they Stanley in Cup once. All the time, once. All, they do it in Milwaukee all the time. They do it every game. Every game, every home game. This is not. This is not Washington. This is. This is something that's born somewhere else. Um, I know that they did it, and people got excited in Washington. They did. It's wonderful. Everybody, a lot of people have it. It ain't like Milwaukee. It isn't. And so they're also rooting for England for whatever. Re, you could hear. You could just hear it. It just reverberated by then. Um, and I, I, the PKs. Were, I'm sorry, it's irresistible. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. It's irresistible the, the, to, to, to watch that in any kind of setting. Um, I don't know if the TV ratings were as high in England as they thought, as they were projected. They're projecting half the nation to yeah. have watched that game yesterday.
0: Yeah, I'll bet And right? we did. ain't
3: doing, doing that here either. No. So And we don't even get that in the Super Bowl.
0: Not so half the country. I, no.
3: I watched all of it, and I was riveted. And yeah, I... I I don't follow it passionately. I, when I watch it, I'm drawn into it and I'm going to go. And I went to the world cup in, 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 in Russia three years ago and I saw Harry Kane play and England had a good chance in that. I went to a semifinal where England played and lost. So I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm creeping into it. But I'm too old to get into it fully. Um, but I've got a lot of friends and colleagues who, you know, who loved this and who reveled in it yesterday. And they all said, you know, Tim Bontemps, who covers basketball for this network and different Washington Post, you know, I said, Tim, what's going to happen? He said, Italy's going to win. It's PKs is England. Come on. Italy's going to win. And, of course, Italy won, but Italy shouldn't have won. England should have won that game yesterday. They had control of the PKs, and they still blew it. And I sort of felt... I felt for them. And I remember I cheered for England two years ago, three years ago in Russia. I wanted England to win, and they didn't. And there was a, you know, Charlie Brown quality about, you know, snatching the ball, Lucy snatching the ball, you know, and Linus, I guess it is, from, from Charlie. It just, I, again, Tony, I, I don't know how you found it. I found the drama just palpable. No, I, I,
0: I agree with everything you're saying. I found it palpable. I just, it's not a satisfying ending for me. That's all. Let's move yeah, on to Djokovic. Yeah. yeah, it's not satisfying for me. Let's move on to Djokovic. He's now tied Nadal and Federer. He's going to pass them. He's going to put yeah. some distance between himself and them. He is. Most likely. Uh, you, more so than I, are willing to say and even endorse the notion that he's the greatest male tennis player of all time,
3: right? Yeah, he's going to be. He's not now. He's going to be. He's going, to be, he's going to retire as that. I mean, unless there's something happening that we don't want to see in terms of injury or something, he's going to retire as great as And I say that not just because he, he's going to almost certainly have more of these titles. And we played that game with Jack Nicholson Tiger, and we've played that game with Jack Nicholson Tiger since 2000. And that thing unfolded over 20 years. Not exactly the way we thought, but it still unfolded that way. You can make the argument that Tiger's the greatest player. You can make that. You can do that. There's there's stuff there, there's evidence there that could, if you wanted to, point to that. And you can find stuff to manufacture for Federer and Nadal over Djokovic. But I'm sorry, it isn't just that he's going to have more of these titles. It's that he's going to have beat them more times. His head-to-head against Federer is already in his Djokovic's favor. His head-to-head against Nadal is already in his Djokovic's favor. I mean, what How What else am I going to ask the dude to do? He's going to wind up with more, okay? In a, in a, in a, you know, it reminds me that was it, a, uh, it either had to be a beer commercial or an insurance commercial that more, as Geico, more, more. When you look across the street, the guy's got eight times more yeah. Christmas lights. What yeah. are you, what, what you going to do? What are you going to make the guy do? Jump through a flaming hoop with a racket? I mean, he's, he's going to... Win all the objective criteria. I'm sorry. He, he's and it's not like there's a give. There's a, a catch-up. You know, a, 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 a you know a gotcha. Oh, he didn't do this. No, 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 no. no. He's ahead of them. So what, what, why? I mean, because I don't like him. I, I don't. I don't dislike him. I don't. You you sort of have a disdain for him. I don't, like I don't him. Have that anyway.
0: Yeah, and if, like even
3: him. if I did, I could just say I don't like Jack. He was blonde. I don't like him. So therefore, Tiger's better. No, uh-uh. it don't work that way.
0: No, Jack has got went out the numbers on the
3: same floor. Yep. This guy went out on the same surface. Yeah, he did. He did. And, and yes, each one of them has more in a one or the other. It's not as stilted as, as the doll on Clay. Even though he has like what he has seven, six Wimbledon titles, I think, and he has nine Aussie titles. So he's you know you know on the faster surfaces he's got more. But mm-mm. I you know. I'm not going to say it's Sanford. I'm not going to say it's even Labor. He's going to look. Here's one thing that's going to even knock you down if he does this. He's on the verge of winning the Grand Slam.
0: I know. I know.
3: He's, if he, I if know. he wins the U.S. Open, he's going right. to do something that's not done since the guy you endorse, Labor, Labor. That's right. In a modern time. And Federer, right. Federer didn't do this. Federer didn't do it because Labor's last. Federer and the Doll haven't done it. They're not going to do it. This guy at 34, he's, he, he's, he's, he's going he's gonna to go it. into the U.S. Open he's gonna win. as the favorite to win that tournament and, and do something not done since 1966. So no, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you know, To me, this is going to be declared. Somebody needs to give him a championship belt and say, congratulations, son, because he's doing this.
0: Give them that swag chain. Let them walk around New York. wearing <laughs> no, yes. that swag chain at the Miami Hurricane. Come on All now. Right. Enjoy yourself. I'll talk to you. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We will come back. Mark Feinsand will join us. He is at the All-Star Game, baseball All-Star Game in Denver. As we speak, I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the ex-chair ad. Can your office chair give you a massage when you're sitting at your desk? Mine can. Can your office chair warm your back on cold mornings not like today, or cool you off on hot days like today? Mine can. That's because I don't have just any old no-name office chair. I've got X chair and I love it. I've never had an office chair that looks or feels so amazing in my entire life. It's so comfortable I can sit for hours, never feel uncomfortable. I don't sit for hours in one thing, but I could. It's up in the attic. You can see it on the PTI show. The secret is their patented dynamic variable lumbar DVL support, which offers unbelievable lumbar support to your lower back. And now we're introducing LMAX, featuring cooling heat and massage therapy. Imagine regulating your body temperature and getting massage therapy while sitting at your desk. If I had mechanical skills, I could do that because I have the capability, but I don't have the skills. X Chair with LMAX delivers cooling heat and massage technology directly to your core, helping increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy. All perks that make working from home or office a joy. You won't believe the difference X chair has until you feel the X chair difference for yourself. It's time to trade in your old uncomfortable office chair. Trade up to an X chair. X chair prices are going up on July 12th. That's today, July 12th. I'm aware of the calendar. They're going up for the first time in two years, so beat the price increase. Call today. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X chair, Tony.com or call 1-844-4-X-CHAIR to receive $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete uh, comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. So do go to XCHAIRTONY.com now. Use the code XWheels for free X-Wheel blade casters. XCHAIRTONY.com. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony
2: Kornheiser Show.
0: Once again, this is Alex Rapp sent to us by Bill Stringer. All of her music is available on Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon, pretty much anywhere you get music. And Bill says he CC'd Alex on the email so she can confirm her permission to use her songs. We'll also send songs from her July 21st release. If this is the 12th, that's in a week and a half. This is called Let Me Go. Michael, if people like Alex Rapp want to send in their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizershow.com. And this song plays in Mark Feinstein of MLB.com. And before we get to the All-Star Game, and I do have a lot of questions, including one important question about Home Run Derby, which is can Soto beat Otani, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, this is the second week in July. This is the height of camp season uh, what are your plans for visiting Orson, Pennsylvania, or is that out of the picture this year for you?
4: It's, it's out of the picture this year. It's very upsetting. Uh, you know, my kids are up there. They're having a fantastic time, which is uh, all we really want. Uh, yes. except for the fact that I'm missing my visiting day and alumni day. And that's all I really want. So yeah, very upsetting, but very happy that they're back up there at Westmont and, uh, so far so good this summer.
0: Orson, Pennsylvania kids, off 370 in the northeast corner of Pennsylvania in Wayne County, Pennsylvania, Camp Westmont. Is that, that's not the old Kiuma, right? That is the old Echo Lark, or am I wrong about that?
4: Correct. When I went to Westmont, it was where the old Kiuma was. And then uh, back in 1992, they moved across the lake to the old Echo Lark. So uh, Lake Independence was, was part of Westmont both ways. It was just on yes. the side of the lake they were on.
0: Yes, but, but but Westmont now, instead of being in Orson, is in Lake Lorraine, right? Technically uh, it's in Lake Lorraine. It's,
4: it's actually in Pointel.
0: Pointel, it's Wayne, P-O-Y-N-T-E-L-L-E, kids. Correct. Um, Lake Lorraine is the golf 54.
2: course. <laughs>
4: yeah,
0: Lake so Lake Lorraine is the course. golf course. I've, it It's still a nine hole, isn't it? Still nine holes? It
4: is, it is. I have played that uh, many times in my days when I would uh, was a counselor and had a day off. We'd go and go play nine at Lake Lorraine.
0: And they, they had a bar at Lake Lorraine where the two things that I uh, first saw there and took me years to see them anyplace else, one were Slim Jims. That's where I first saw a Slim Jim uh, in Lake Lorraine. And second were pickled eggs. Uh, they were like in a big pickling jar, a hard-boiled egg, the outside of which had turned red. And I said, I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not going for that. <laughs> you know, I'm not eating that. But the, uh, you know, the farmer's, The farmers came in and and they ate those at Lake Lorraine. So, okay. So let me move on since you have the same memories I have. And I wanted to ask you the biggest surprise in baseball so far this year. And Michael and I, we assumed that you would say the Giants, right? We assumed it's the Giants or is it something else?
4: No, it's the Giants. Uh, You know, after the first month of the season... We looked at them and said, "Well, that was a great month, but there's no way they're going to be able to keep it up." You know, they have the Dodgers and the Padres in their division, and those two teams are supposed to be, uh, you know, the powerhouses of the league. Uh, and then, you know, we got to Memorial Day, and the Giants are still in first place. And the Giants will come the first team to 50 wins, and I'm like you know, it's gotten to the point in the season where you, you kind of have to take them for for what they are. You know, with the old Bill Parcells, you are your record says you are, and uh, they're, they're the best team in baseball. And uh, it's, it's definitely the biggest surprise, you know, nobody saw Buster Posey coming back from, uh, you know, taking off the, the 2020 season with the COVID situation, uh, and coming back and, and, you know, playing MVP type baseball, uh, and, and it's just been, it's just been unbelievable.
0: How did the Phillies look getting rid of Gabe Kapler? How did they look? I mean, did, did they give up on him too quickly or was he a bad fit there? Or is that just what happens in Philadelphia?
4: I think that's just what happened in Philadelphia. It, was, it, it didn't seem like a great fit, and the results were not there. Um, I don't know. Maybe some of the players, you know, weren't, weren't huge fans. And uh, You know, look, they did bring in a guy who won the World Series, who's won the World yep. Series, and yep. has had a lot of success. So it's not like they ousted Gabe Kapler and, you know, brought me in to manage. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not as big of a manager guy. As a lot of people are, I, I don't blame managers very much when things are going south, and I don't usually give managers that much credit when the teams are winning. Um, but, I mean, obviously, if the manager is, is, you know, if there's an issue there, that's where things can go south. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously, they didn't feel Kaplan was the right fit in Philly, but he certainly was the right fit in San Francisco. And uh, And when they hired him, there were a lot of people wondering why exactly they did that.
0: So if you manage the Yankees, you would not hold Aaron Boone responsible? You would not get rid of Aaron Boone?
4: I would not. I really wouldn't. You know, the thing I look at with the Yankees this year, DJ LeMahieu has been a top five MVP candidate the past two years with Aaron Boone as the manager, and this year he is nowhere close to that. Uh, Glaber Torres has been a two-time all-star under Aaron Boone as the manager, and this year he's just having a hideous season. Uh, Gary Sanchez has thrived with Aaron Boone. Um, actually, not Gary, I'm sorry. Gary Sanchez has been terrible in Aaron Boone. Now he's actually doing well. I just, you know, Lemayhew, Torres, Clint Frazier, there are a lot of guys on that team who are pretty good hitters who are hitting pretty poorly. And I just have a, have a hard time blaming a manager who hasn't really changed his managerial style and yet, you know, has won 100 games a couple of times, been to the playoffs a few times and, you know, come within a, a game or two of the World Series. And what, well, what is he doing differently this year that, that would identify him being the problem?
0: I could be very wrong on this, and I'm taking my cue from having watched how Houston beat the Yankees last night, you know, on an Altuve home run, where everybody seems to make fun of, in one way or another, Altuve trying to keep the batteries on his chest when he's hit home runs before the Yankees do it and the Astros obviously do it. But I would say that the second biggest surprise to me is the Astros. I would. I mean, they're, you know, they're contenders. They're real. And I know they've got talent. But I thought that what, I I thought the extracurricular would get to them and they would collapse and they have not. Or am I wrong on that?
4: No, though, you're not wrong. I mean, I, I think they were still the favorites coming into this year. But you look at it and say they're without Justin Verlander for the entire season. So is the rotation going to be good enough? Uh. And it has been, and they've had some young guys step up and Lance McCullers has come back from Tommy John surgery and been outstanding. And Zach Greinke is just humming along at age 37 or whatever he is now, uh, and continuing to just go out there and, and be consistent. And the offense is just, I mean, as bad as the Yankees offense has been, that's how good the Astros offense has been. You look up and down their lineup and there's just one guy after another with an OPS in the 800s and the 900s and, uh, You know, Uri uh, Uri, Uri Greal is having an outstanding season. Um, Even, you know, even losing George Springer and having Gregman get hurt recently hasn't slowed anything down. Carlos Correa is having a monster year, ironically, in his walk-off year. I can't imagine how that works. Um, You know, so he's going to get paid a lot this winter somewhere. Um, But, yeah, the Astros are, are a talented team. They needed some pitchers to step up, and those guys have done it. I think you'll see them... Go out and fortify their bullpen a little bit between now and the trade deadline, and uh, I would argue that they're probably the favorites in the American League going into the postseason if they can if they can add a reliever or two. All
0: right, so let's get to the home run derby because that is the big attraction tonight, and everybody except for Michael Wilbon, who can't stand it, everybody and the rest of us really like it. Um, you mentioned we talked a little bit about the Giants. Uh, the the Nats have just played the Dodgers the Padres and the Giants, and went 2-9. and nine. So that tells you where the Nats are, and it tells you where the strength of the National League West is. But we're going to have in, in the home run derby, we're going to have the Nats' biggest home run threat, even though he doesn't have the amount of home runs that Trey Turner has this year. But Juan Soto is their biggest threat. And that seems like a marquee matchup for some of us to watch him against Shohei Ohtani. I'm, I'm not asking you to call it, but I guess I'm asking you, why they would match them together, and what you think of Otani so far this year.
4: Otani has been the story of the year, and it will be the story of this week, almost no matter what happens. I mean, he's going to be in the All-Star game pitching and hitting, which yeah. uh, is just remarkable. Um, the reason that they were matched up together in the first round, my understanding, is that once they have the field of eight set, um, they, they rank them based on how many home runs you have this season. So it was just a sheer numbers game. Uh, I think it's, you know, I think they look at that as this way. They're not trying to manipulate the uh, thing, but you know, they should manipulate the things and they should try to set this thing up where it, where it sets up the most exciting possible matchups. Now, of course, you know, best laid plans. You can set up all the matchups you want, but the guy still has to go out there and hit uh, and, and actually, uh, you know, advance and, and get there. But, I think Soto Otani is going to be a lot of fun. The whole event's fun. I'm, you know, I know there are a lot of people who uh, like to sort of kick on the home run derby and say it's boring and this and that. I think it's I like a lot it. of fun, and and I like the bracket thing. I like the way that they've changed it with the timed rounds. Cause you used to go up there, and when there wasn't when there weren't timed rounds, it was you know each guy had ten outs, and you'd sit there, and some guys would take six, seven, eight pitches in a row because they were waiting for that perfect one. Now, you've got four minutes. Go up and hack. And, you know, with, the, with it being a course field, there is talk here about whether or not we're going to see a ball go longer than 550 feet, which would be pretty impressive.
0: Can I get back to the Nats for a second? Two and nine against the top of the NL West. Bad, right? It's really bad.
4: Uh, it's not great, but, you know, at least uh, Atlanta looks like they're, you know, potentially yeah. going to be a seller now that Acuna is out for the year, which is just, you know, no matter who you root for, you hate to see that, and this is one of the you know three or five best young players in the game, and maybe best players in the game, uh, and that's just bad for the sport to see a guy like him go out for the year. But uh, you know, I guess on a Nationals level, that's uh, maybe one less team they're going to have to try to jump.
0: It is intriguing that at the beginning of the year, the assumption that everybody had, myself included, would be that there would be two to three wildcard teams from the NL East, that the NL East was stacked. And that's not going to happen. It's the NL West. I'm su- maybe you're not surprised by that. Cause you go over it in greater depth, but you must be surprised by the lack of, of wins in the NL East.
4: Yeah. I, I thought coming into the season that the NL East would have one wild card and the NL West would have the other, um, the NL central just is sort of a mediocre middling division right now. Uh, but actually it's the NL East that's been the most middling division. It, it's, yeah. it's a tight division because nobody's that good. And, uh, yeah. You know, it it is surprising. I thought that that Philly was going to be better. I really thought that coming into the season, I thought there was a good chance that any one of those five teams could make the playoffs. And uh, right now you'd have to look at it as the Mets and with the Phillies and Nationals as sort of the, uh, you know, long shots behind them.
0: I enjoy yourself there. Thank you. I'm sorry you can't get to Orson, but enjoy yourself in Denver. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mark.
4: Thanks. Thanks, Tony.
0: Mark Feinsand, We will come back with jingle and email. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening
2: to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here
4: comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes
2: Tony's mailbag for all you folks.
0: that's david delabrito
2: <laughs>
0: fort mills south carolina didn't want to step on that last line nigel give us the bethesda bagel
1: ad please if you want beef wellington in the morning don't go to bethesda bagels but if you want great bagels go to bethesda bagels all you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the dc area nearest you then pop on in and you will be thrilled have you tried their pizza bagel yet I haven't. I have not. not. Not Beef Wellington, but a pizza bagel. Come Ooh, on. That would be good. I guess
0: good that's answer. just about it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, you know, my temperatures rising, in the jukebox blowing a fuse, heart beating rhythm my soul keeps singing the blues. Roll over Beethoven. Tell Tchaikovsky the news, <laughs> Chuck Berry, boys and girls. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Mark Feinsand. Thanks to today's sponsors, X Chair and Freshly. Remember you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. This is from Chris Martin, not that Chris Martin, in East Lansing, Michigan. After Monday's mailbag, I feel compelled to chime in with a David Aldridge moment. You read an email from the great Wade Gilbert of Culpeper, Virginia. I know that guy. We were law school classmates at UVA. We spent a few years as frequent courtroom adversaries in and around Culpeper. You often say that Abby Lowell is the smartest man in Washington. Well, it's safe to say that Wade Gilbert is the smartest man in Culpeper, and probably just about everywhere else in the expanse between Washington and Charlottesville. Not only is Wade a brilliant lawyer, he's a dedicated husband and father and a great patriot. So you can imagine my surprise when I learned that someone of his stature was wasting his time listening to this show. In seriousness, I'm very sorry to hear of his father-in-law's recent health troubles. I wish him and the rest of his family peace and a speedy recovery. That's a very lovely email. From Mike Todd, not that Mike Todd in Columbus, Ohio. On the Monday, July 5th show, I had a David Aldridge moment. Bob Angel from your high school alma mater mentioned that he had a driving instructor named Mr. McGee and I said to myself, I know that guy. I had a boss named Mr. McGee when I was working part time at a Five and Dime. He told me several times he didn't like my kind because I was a bit too leisurely. This is a very funny. <laughs> video. It really is uh, from Sam Hillier in San Diego. I figured since you always share your dog walking stories, I would share mine. Every morning I take my dog Panyo with me to get coffee and breakfast. Right outside of the coffee shop, her walk turns into a slow waddle. She leans over and throws up right on the sidewalk. I'm immediately concerned. What did she eat? Is she sick? Should I skip the coffee shop and just take her home? Then a husky walks by and her tail starts wagging and she starts pulling the leash. She was totally fine when we got to the coffee shop and when we returned home, she went right to her food bowl to chow down on breakfast. All I could think of was you exclaiming, it's great when dogs throw up. Dogs, when they throw up, are perfectly fine after that. Very happy. They're perfectly fine. That's, you know, would that that were us and there was no carryover. A dog throwing up is bad in the moment, but good for the dog. It is. Andreas Kleim in Germany. I'm a listener from Germany who came late to the party since I only started listening in the podcast era. Well, we've only done a podcast in the podcast era. Don't worry, Andreas. <laughs> I was surprised that neither you nor Wilbon weighed in on Ricky Elliott Appreciation Day, the day Brooks Kepka created to honor his caddy. And when I say to honor his caddy, caddy, I mean to rub it into Bryson's face. Do you know this story, Michael? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You want to do it briefly? No, this is old news. But uh, So Bryson and his caddy, they separated, right. which they have done before. And so <laughs> immediately Kepka goes to Twitter and Instagram and, and creates. And loves his yes, caddy. Can't do without you. Is doing the the photo of him hosting up the the U.S. Open trophy.
0: From Steve
1: Rowinski in
0: Queens. Knowing that Houston has been nipping at Chicago's heels for quite some time, I had to check Wilbon's claim to the Windy City holding on to the third spot. I'm happy to report Wilbon is right. Estimates of 2020 census still have Chicago as the third largest city in the country, behind L.A., and still on top of Houston by about 300,000 people. Fun fact about our nation's largest in the city in which I reside, New York, if the five boroughs were to split up Brooklyn and Queens would be one and two in terms of the largest city in the country. Then Los Angeles with Manhattan and the Bronx landing at four and five. So four of the five boroughs of New York City are larger than any of the mere hovels that Wilbon calls home. I love this because I'm so tired. Like when he says, oh, you and Stephen A are from New York. So, you know, what does that mean? You just don't understand the beer gardens in Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the Capitals did that all summer. What are you talking about? From Kevin Coy in Youngstown, Ohio. As an intermediate-time listener to your show, I thought you'd be interested to know about what I can only describe as my recent David Aldrich product placement moment. I was listening to your show a couple of weeks ago in my car, not a Subaru, when I suddenly shouted out to my friend, a woman to whom I'm related by marriage, by spatial proximity, hey, I know that toaster. You see, very late in the evening, around 18 months ago, while deep in the bowels of an insomnia-fueled Amazon rabbit hole, I stumbled upon the Revolution toaster. As a degenerate gadget nerd and prolific waster of disposable income, I was immediately smitten with the device's futuristic lines and colorful touchscreen. Plus, I assumed it also made toast. I added it to my cart immediately and was on my way to purchase when I finally came to my senses. I mean, who needs a $300 toaster anyway? For God's sakes, it's just hot bread. I left the item in my cart and I would come back to look at it often pining away each time before ultimately convincing myself against it just before purchase was made. You can imagine my surprise when this item of my frustrated affection resurfaced on your show all this time later, and with glowing reviews by all of you no less. So with willpower finally exhausted, endorsements from the unimpeachable sources in hand, and the kind encouragement of my enabling friend, I finally pulled the trigger. I'm happy to report thanks to you I'm living happily now in the warm embrace of toasty goodness. Now, if I can only resist that ex-chair. This is very good. Uh, from Brendan Gilfillan in Arlington, Virginia. Why do I listen to the show? Is it for 15 minutes of the smartest man in Washington exploring the moral complexity of global sociopolitical issues manifested in our sports culture? No. It's for the 15 seconds of Mr. Tony making xenophobic moral calculus that leaving half a hot dog is wrong. So leaving a quarter of a hot dog must be right. It's true. Sam Davidson, Simsbury, Connecticut. Simsbury, I believe, is right near Bristol. Simsbury Open. It's right near Bristol. As a longtime listener, I have noticed your fascination with the Gateway Arch in St. Louis. I think you'll enjoy this. In 1977, I was in London for my wife's cousin's wedding when we saw a report of Prince Charles' trip to America on the telly. In that satirically droll British way, the newsman said, today the prince visited the Gateway Arch in St. Louis. Tomorrow, he is scheduled to visit a giant croquet mallet in southern (laughs) Illinois. And one more from Scotty Baker in Berrien Springs, Michigan. To the Jeremiah's that have voiced their lifelong hatred of Three Dog Night, let me say I feel you. As a Scotty, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, beam me up, Scotty. Curse you, Star Trek. Couldn't anyone else run that blasted device except the chief engineer? Also, I do like soup. But I'm not sure I've ever had a snow pee. Thank you, Tony, for hosting this therapy session. If you're out on your bike, everyone, as always, do wear white.
3: You can't be
2: serious, man. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Shock flew up. trip to I surrender me. release me, make this disappear No matter what I do, it seems I'm stuck inside this loop I can't help myself totally blow because I I I worked a lot in go away of that but I can was blind